Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Johnny, of course. You know, tech tech issue free as well, Johnny, looking crystal clear in HD. Um, we had Joseph Craig, MBE, this week, Johnny, which was um, a really pleasant surprise. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Yeah, I didn't know how this one was going to go because I didn't really know a lot about the swimming, to be honest. So I was like researching them a few days beforehand. I'm thinking, right, I'm, I kind of know a little bit about it. But he was. I think you could tell he's had the experience of having interviews and being on camera because it seems so easy to him. And even before it even started, he was laughing and having a bit of fun, and like he had a bit of technical issues. And I had a technical issue fifteen seconds into the whole thing. So it was. Um, it was good. It was a good laugh and refreshingly good, refreshingly honest. Uh, talked about a lot of things. Mental health was mentioned. Yeah. Also, Newcastle. Obviously, Newcastle was mentioned, but. That post box, the gold post box, that was the biggest the talking point, wasn't it? Gold post box, gold medals, world records. <laughs> Do you know, he, he came across as a thoroughly likeable uh, young man. I mean, when you thrust into the limelight, London 2012, 15 years of age, I don't think um, I'd have the mental capability to, to cope with all that attention. I don't know about you. Um. Maybe not at his age, because I was—I think he's a couple of years younger than me. So he's a young lad, and you're thinking at that age with all the camera, the lights, and obviously if you remember London 2012, Sam, it was the biggest talking point of the whole year. And oh, it was amazing. Also, people still talk about it now as the one of the best things that ever happened, and you know, and to him for being a big part of it on the Paralympic side of things um, is is brilliant. So I think for him, obviously, he's not doing the swimming now. He's got his, he's got his own other things, but he's got a, such a sensible head on young shoulders. Yeah. Um, with obviously the fact that he's doing a university degree, who knows what could happen? But yeah, I think he, the fact that he's an MBE just says it. I think that you can let you go anywhere in the world, and you can go. My name's such and such MBE. There you go. Says a lot about the guy, MBE, and a fan of NFTV. So you know he's a top <laughs> top guy. I mean, since the interview as well, he he messages. Um, uh, me or Lee, or you know, on Twitter DM at least once a week. He's absolutely mad for it. He is a top top lad, and I think we were, from our point of view, Johnny. I think we're trying. We're kind of finally finding our feet with the the format of our show now. I think we're really getting to uh, getting into the swing of it, and there's some good shows coming up too, isn't there? There is, and obviously it starts with Joseph, uh, which obviously listening to right now, which I can only thoroughly recommend. We've also got. Lee Clark and Warren Barton, and then that's the end of Series 1. And then in a few weeks, we'll be starting Series 2. And the good thing is, it's a variety of guests now, Sam, isn't it? We've got footballers, we've got snooker players, we've got darts players, we've got uh, an NBA. I think I think we want to change it slightly in the uh, second series, maybe a bit more personalities in the, in the next series. So we want to try and do all sorts, but... Um, I can't wait, to be honest, because it is something that we both enjoy. We both look forward to it. Um, when Sam says, we've got this person, or I'll go, well, I've got, we potentially could get this person. Um, it is great. So all the best content comes from Greenwood and Milner shows, doesn't it, Sam? You always get the best. Whoa, I hope Lee doesn't listen to this. This is just a test to see if he does listen to it. That's a good point. We'll get messages if he does. Uh, <laughs> quick sponsorship message before we do crack on with the podcast. 
this podcast is sponsored by Beer 52. For your free introductory case of craft beer, head to beer52.com forward slash NFTV. And it's just fantastic stuff. It really is. And you can cancel your subscription at any time. So, Joseph Craig, MBE, we hope you enjoy it. And we will see you next week on the podcast intro when we speak to none other than Lee Clark. Enjoy. It's a very long time ago, that photo. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Newcastle Fans TV Extra. It is the Greenwood and Mullen show. And we've got our first MBE on the show, haven't we, Mr. Mullen? We certainly have. It just keeps getting better and As better. Sam is a little bit frozen. And Joe's a little bit frozen. Possibly. No, I think I'm the only John, one that looks all right to be honest with you. So I'm going to try and continue while these two probably sort themselves out. We've had some cracking guests so far. Oh, here we go. It's by magic they're both back to normal. I think I was the only one that was a little bit normal with my connection problems. So you're, you're this... still frozen on my screen. Frozen, Johnny. Come out again, Johnny. Oh, me my and Joe. goodness. Me, me and... Oh, no, you're back. Yes, there uh, we go. Uh, right. Uh, he was back and then... Uh... What a way to uh, introduce our first ever MBE on Newcastle Fans TV. Yeah, <laughs> it's not went great, as it? I'm <laughs> this sorry. Is just, this, is, this, is, this is just professional problems by the look of it. Um, <laughs> Bad luck follows me wherever I go, really, so it might not even be very used. <laughs> Who knows? Well, it's a big welcome to Joseph Craig, MBE. Joseph, welcome to the Greenwood and Mullen Show on Newcastle Fans TV Extra. Thank you for having us, lads. Really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to us. Fantastic. Well, Sam, I don't think you've met any, many MBEs in your life, have you? No, no. It's uh, it's a new experience. Um, yeah, cracking. I mean, I was thinking before, what would I give for a gold medal? I thought I could offer him my entire Newcastle shirt collection in exchange for a, a London 2012 gold, but and things are priced. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I'd be offering a trade on that, unfortunately. As much as I love Newcastle. Every Newcastle shirt since 1995, man. <laughs> I mean, that was before I was born, so... Terrible. I mean, a year, but nah, as much as I love the tune, I'm not trading me, me gold medal for nothing, I'm afraid. That's fair enough. We'll be talking more in depth about your, in, in, about your gold medal later on in the show, Joseph, but... I think first things first, obviously lockdown's been difficult for everyone, but how much have you managed to train? How much have you managed to kind of get on with normal life? And what's the future plans for Joseph Craig, MBE? Um, I'll get the first point, training in lockdown. That has been obviously very different for, for swimmers with pools being essentially shut and, and not being able to be used. So... I've got myself on some walks. I've done some light running, um, just just taking over, keeping fit, really, and just keeping the mind active. Um, future plans, that's an interesting one because there's a lot of opportunities and options going forward for me. I want to get through the uni, first of all. I'm on to my last year now. I study sports management, so should open a couple of doors for us. But we'll see. You never know life. Things can just pop up and, and change everything, really. Well, I wouldn't say a gold medal for, for a win on the lottery. No. That's well, way that more valuable to me than the lottery, unfortunately. Well, that's, well, I, would, 
I would not go in on the lottery. Don't want us wrong. I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not well that if you want to get your questions coming in we're live on youtube we're live on facebook get your questions in for joseph or if you've got questions for me and sam you're more than welcome to do so i think the big question joseph how did you get into swimming was it just something that you just fell in love with instantly or did you feel like you wanted to do something a bit different and basically just express yourself in a different way um so a very good question there. Um in all honesty, I was too afraid of being hit in the face to be a boxer and I've got two left feet, so I'd never be a good football player anyway. So <laughs> me, me first two options were out because I, I loved boxing and football growing up. Those are the sports I watched, but I, I did love swimming as well. And that was something that I was good at in comparison to all my mates. The um they uh, went off and did football, obviously. Uh, I stayed in the pool, and that's just how it worked for me. And I grew to love it. I grew over time with experience. When I was nine, I started competing. Um, and just I wasn't the best competitor in the world up until about 15 years old. So it was just hard work and graft all then, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, though, the thing is, though, Joseph, when you're competing and you just want to get better and better, you, you're going to strive to get to to the very top, which you did in, in London. But for you, what do you find as your best event? What is your best event? If someone said to you, you could handpick your event in Olympics in 2021 now, for example, if you could go right, that's my event that I'm going to win gold in next time. I'm so confident. What's it going to be? Well, I'd have to get back into the sport, first of all, obviously. Um, I, yeah. I did uh, retire a while ago for for various reasons that I'll, I'll get into later if we want to talk about that. Yeah. But um, yeah. really, my best event evolved over time. Um, so it started as the 400 freestyle, which is eight lengths of 50-metre pool. Um, I know that's crazy to pick that one, but I didn't really pick it. Just um, that's the way my body was at the time. And as I developed some muscle mass and I grew, the, the 100 freestyle became my event. My favourite one was the 100 freestyle, definitely, because I had uh, an engine, like unlike a lot of swimmers. I could get out there quite fast on the first length and then and then hold it and bring it back. So that was a specialty for me. So I, I liked the, the two lengths that I had. Yeah, I can absolutely. I can. I can like I say, I'm no. I'm no expert in swimming, but I just get tired just probably listening to that. Sam, I don't know about yourself, but do you when you when you listen to something like that, it can only inspire others, surely. Yeah, it did inspire, and you know, I went back and watched the the 2012 final where you obviously won gold, broke the world record. Um, it was it, it was quite a good race because the, the Chinese fellow was it Pan that made the kind of. Yeah. Running, yeah, um, he, he set a quite a ferocious uh, gallop to use a kind of horse racing term, but oh, um, yeah. you you kind of he gave you a nice kind of. Toe. I'm sticking with the horse racing analogy, so he gave you a nice toe into the race, <laughs> <laughs> and then from then on, you absolutely battered him in the last couple of lengths. It was brilliant to watch. But am I right in saying you were only 15 when you did that? Yes, I was. I was only 15 when I did that. Um, I know it, it. Like I said, life's crazy. You just don't know. Like, I guess I was in a very lucky position to be, obviously, at that level at that age and in the sport I loved and the sport I trained all my life at. But um, 
that's what it was. It was training and hard work that, that got us to that level. And Pan, he, he was an absolutely brilliant competitor. I've got all the time in the world for for him personally as well. He's a lovely bloke. But on the day, uh, I wasn't getting beat by anybody. I'm sorry, but I wasn't. I even said that to myself before I got in the pool. I had my headphones on. I just went, right, nobody's beating me the other day. So just relax and enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's that more piece of determination, isn't it? Yeah, um... yeah, it, exactly. Where I'm from, Jarra, myself, Jarra, I'm a local lad. I, I love where I'm from. I've been a Tune fan all my life. And I, I think there's something special about people from the Northeast and, and Newcastle. We're, we're very, very tough. We're, we're fight through. And we have to deal with a lot of crap, really, on the, especially on the football pitch. So we've got to be tough individuals to do that. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's something to do with that. Yeah, for sure. I think also what I'd like to um, talk about is the fact that you did break the record in the qualifying as well. Never mind the whole race. In the qualifying, you broke the world record and then obviously doing it again. How aware yeah. were you? I thought I'd got disqualified in the heats, to be perfectly honest, when I saw the, the letters next to it. Because I'd ne- I didn't know what happened when you broke a world record. I'd never done it before. So <laughs> I turned around. I knew I'd finished first, obviously. And I was thinking, well, everyone's took it easy there. So I'll just look at my time. And I got 4.45, which I think was, I think, six seconds quicker than my entry time at the time, my personal best. Yeah. And I was obviously there. Right, that's wrong for a start because I didn't swim that quick. And then I thought, oh well, it's it's messed up. I've got disqualified for something. Ah well, it was the last race of the competition, and I'd enjoyed myself, so I was like, I'm happy with that. I got out, and the interview, I was like, oh, how do you feel? You've just broke the world record. My jaw nearly hit the floor. I swear down. Wow. Biggest shock of my life, hundred percent. But when I when I got a grip with it, and when I came to terms with it, I was like. Actually, yeah, yeah, I am capable of that because that's how I've been training for the past six months to to get yeah. So it was, and then it was a case of right, just repeating it on the night and just getting that confidence to to go out there and hit that final. Yeah, I can imagine. But you look at the fact that some of the achievements that you got, you will see Great Britain's youngest twenty twelve gold medal winner, and the most important thing, you got a gold. Letterbox in Jarrow of all places as well. What was yep. more? What was what was better for you? <laughs> well, it was it was a weird situation in itself because when I was told about the letterboxes, I was actually in the waiting room for the ceremony, and that was surreal in itself. Anyway, and I was just thinking, right, how am I gonna not look like a fool on the podium in front of everybody? And then somebody comes in with a clipboard and says. Where do you want your post box? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, mm, what? <laughs> and they were like, South Shields or Jarrow? And I was like, oh, Jarrow, I live there. And South Shields was an option because that's where I was born, obviously. But I thought, hey, I'll, I'll get it where I live and people who I know can go and see it and that. So, Is there any gold post boxes next to you, Sam, or not? No. Um, no. No, no, no. Um, I mean, just no. There's, there's no real sporting triumphs to uh, shout about around here. I mean, let me think. 
I suppose Adam Peaty's not far from me. He's in Utoxeter, isn't he? So he's only about 20 miles from me. But he, I don't think he has a gold post box, does he? Um, but, I, uh, I, don't, I don't think the winners from 2016 got gold post boxes. And I'm not sure they, what... Um, I'm not sure they got or whatever, but something special, isn't it? It's it's something unique, I suppose. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. I think I think the last thing because it it was such a fantastic year. Obviously, British British sport was just in its own, wasn't it that year? And obviously, you played your obviously your part in that. But young young sports personality of the year, you won that in 2012 as well, and you just think. Can life get any better as a 15-year-old at that point? You must think, I think I might just... Like you said, you've, you've retired. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But you could have just retired there, and then that would have been perfect. Like, oh, well, I've done all that in 2012 anyway. There's nothing that's going to really beat that, really. I'll just sit down and watch Newcastle for the rest of my life. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what a season we were, we were finished with, didn't we? So yeah. that was nice. That was, like, straight after 2012. So I came out and... Suddenly, my team were doing really well as well, so that was a double bonus. But it was it was mad times 2012. It was absolutely surreal. But you're right. I could have said at the end of that retire and I'll be happy because I'd done everything I wanted to do. But so another part of this was like, I'm only 15, so I want to I want to keep going and see how well I can do at this sport. But obviously, circumstances further down the line changed and. That's, that's fine. I, I've done what I'd wanted to do in the first place. Achieved more than my wildest dreams, I suppose. I can imagine. That. We'll, get, we'll get to that part of the story now then, um, Joseph. Why has it? Why have you decided at this point in your career that you've, you've, you've put it on the back burner a little bit? Why, why is it now you want Is it just you want to focus on other things? You want to focus on university? You might want to come back to it one day? Do you think about coaching? Maybe is is it what what? Why has it decided to finish in your uh, in your terms? It's mainly I've done everything I wanted to do in the sport, and once you've done that, you it is really hard to get out of bed and and motivate yourself to to keep cracking at that. And that I would be lying to myself if I said that wasn't a part of the issue. But um, definitely, just people. People let you down as well, personally. People who, who should be there by your side let you down, and um, that makes the, the career ever more harder. But that's that's by the by, that's done. So at the end of the day, I've got my university that I want to focus on. I want to apply my trade at something else. I want to see if I'm just a one-trick pony, just good at the one sport or if I'm actually good at applying myself academically, because God knows I've tried for however long and it hasn't really worked out yet. But you never know, we'll see, we'll see. But I also want to go start my own business somewhere. I, I want to be able to earn my own money and say, look, what's mine is mine and, and live off myself as much as I can. I think that's fantastic. I really do. I think it's quite, it's quite refreshing, Sam, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just to pick up on what you were saying there, Joseph, about um, motivation. Do you think that was was that an issue going into Rio then? Um, did you not have the same drive as you did going into a home Olympics in 2012? Not necessarily, because round the games time, 
you got motivated anyways, any athlete would, and I was no different. So when it came to competing at Rio, the, the challenge, the motivation came from right. I'm in a new classification in terms of my disability, so it's going to be a bigger challenge to get any sort of medal. I'd, at the time, I don't think anybody in swimming had done it before to move up in classes and get a medal at consecutive games. So uh, I wanted to put my stamp on that, and uh, I went there and I, I did do that. But it was it was a much more difficult time because I'd had injuries, I'd suffered with depression. Although at the time, I'd not admitted that to myself. It took us till post games to, to actually realise that in in myself. And there was there was a lot of things going on at once that just piled up and piled up, and it was just like, right, I've got to step back from this, reassess my life, reassess what I want to do, and then approach things with a more clear mind going forward. That was the plan anyway. I think it's worked for the better. Wow. Yeah, for sure. And that's quite brave to say, Joseph, if you don't mind me saying, because yeah. at Newcastle Fans TV we're very big and we're very keen on people like to talk about mental health and if you don't mind me asking when did you think or was it what was the main reason for you to talk to the people like I'm not asking you what those issues were because they're your private stuff they're your personal stuff and I would never ask anybody to talk about that but what I would like to ask you is if there's anybody else out there who's maybe in a similar boat and you know, can consume just as well as you, maybe. Um, better than me, better than me in many better, cases. Exactly. Um, I mean, you should what, try and see me doing breaststroke. It's, it's not pretty. <laughs> <I can. laughs> it's definitely not pretty if it's me or Sam, put it that way. Um, <laughs> but what would you recommend to people? Would you just say talk to people? Would you say not to keep things bottled up? What would what would be your advice? I'd say I'd say talk to people as early as you can because that was a mistake I made. I, I bottled everything up, but that's that's partly the the issue with me. That's partly the problem. Uh, I tend to to bottle things up and wait until it's too big of an issue to deal on my own before uh, I say anything about it, and that's absolutely the wrong thing to do. If you're feeling different in any way that's negative especially make sure you tell your mates or your family or just somebody you trust and that just gets the ball rolling and then you'll feel a hundred times better once you actually get it out in the open and you start sorting the issue from my experience once that's happened it's always improved the situation in in terms of mentally for me i feel better after having a chat with somebody i feel better after just maybe taking my mind off the issue and chatting to somebody about something else, like just making sure though that I get out there to do that. And for me, it's about taking that first step when I'm in that hole and I'm thinking that I can't be bothered to do anything today and actually right, getting out of bed and making me bed and, and doing that first step in the day to really just get my mind on the right track and right I can I've done one thing I can do another thing and then just take it as it comes one thing at a time I think that's very 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 brave and again Newcastle Fans TV have our own mental health Facebook page as well so we'll try and put that in the description for the people as well I'm sure Sam can get get that sorted for us maybe after the the show 
Um, let's let's move on to the NBA because we've obviously we've joked about the fact that <laughs> it's our first NBA on the show. Um, Fantastic. First things first, uh, Joseph. Who told you, and how shocked were you? Well, I got a letter through from uh, from the prime minister's office, and they they sort of communicate with people who are on the honours list, and it's it was at first that right you're being considered, but for for the God's sake, just don't tell anybody, don't don't say anything. Wasn't a non-disclosure agreement to to be <laughs> fair like that, but it was a, a gentleman's agreement to right whale work confirm everything just be quiet and then when it came to the actual day it was the probably the biggest honor of my life getting the nba and meeting the queen uh, i'll say that hands down it tops the gold medal by about 10 times i think um, it's just incredible doesn't it sound like a local lad from jaro you know who's done well Local lad done well, and and he's managed to get one of the big, the biggest honors, if not the biggest honor you can get just as a person. Never mind a sportsman, as a person. That's it's just incredible, isn't it? Absolutely amazing, inspirational. I mean, we can see in the comments already what people think of you, Joseph. Top top bloke. Um, Thank one you. thing I am. One thing I am wondering: what did the Queen have to say to you? Well, she actually, she must have been told a little bit about us before I came and met her, obviously. I think that, that might be the procedure with everybody. They go, somebody would say to her, right, it's this person and blah blah And you'd think that she might only have a couple of things to say to us, but actually she got into a conversation with us. She actually got into a bit of back and forth about swimming and she wanted to, to know different aspects of the race that I was swimming why I like the sport, what I intend to do in the future. And she said that I'd made my family very proud. And um, she was glad that they could be there to to see us accept the award. And it was amazing because I was thinking to myself, right, I haven't been to the toilet for four hours. <laughs> so don't don't wet yourself and second don't swear in front of the queen that was the two things that i was like no you can't do that just just whatever happens just don't don't let that happen not in front of the queen <laughs> i think that's fair enough i think that's fair advice to say at least i am i'm right in saying that joseph you're only allowed to bring two people with you is it something like that so is it quite a small amount of people you're allowed to bring with you into the ceremony I don't know if there's a, a limit on it, but you, you're not allowed to obviously take the mic and bring a massive group of people. I took me mum, me dad, me best mate, and obviously myself. So that was that was brilliant. Uh, we really enjoyed the day. We had a breakfast in Fortnum and Mason beforehand. That was something that was offered to her, which was really nice, and we really appreciated that. And that's probably why I needed the loo. So badly before actually getting the award. So, but hey, I don't regret it. I don't regret one bit of it. It was fantastic. Best day of your life? Yes, definitely. Wow. Definitely. Sam, would it be the best day of your life if you could get the NBA for services to YouTube, maybe? I don't know. Services to Lab, the betting company that you work for. Now <laughs> they gave it away, but 
I don't think they'll be dishing out kind of stuff. Best day of my life. I don't know. Being in the Gallagate for the five-one against Sunderland, you know, it's uh, it's up there. I mean, I was I was at Joshua versus Klitschko as well. That was, but yeah, no, an MBE meeting the Queen. That's um, that's them, one of the lifetime stuff. There must some impressive experiences, though. The five-one against Sunderland and Joshua Klitschko. Like, I'm a obviously being a boxing fan myself. I'm I'm very jealous about that. Because that was one of the I biggest, mean, biggest fights going in the past 10 years. That I was three rows from the top of Wembley, so I wouldn't be too jealous. <laughs> but <laughs> still, to see you are there is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what it is, Joseph, was. right? He's mentioned the Newcastle 5, Sunderland 1. He's, mess- mess- he's mentioned Joshua versus Klitschko. He's got two kids, by the way, and he's got. In- he's literally not mentioned them one second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> Priorities, I see. Priorities, for sure. Um, right, right, Joseph, we're going to talk about Newcastle United. Fantastic, the interesting stuff. I have to, the one thing I will mention before Newcastle is that you have to train in Sunderland. What are you doing? Sorry, I didn't hear that. I was going to say you're training Sunderland, is that right? Um, I tra- I used to train in Sunderland. Yeah, I don't know. Used to, um, yeah. it's, uh, that's the used is the is the important word there. <laughs> I train at uh, Northumbria <laughs> University. That's where I train now. Yeah. But obviously going to Sunderland, you don't want to be doing that every week, like, do you? Yeah. Seeing the stadium of, um, I'll call it the stadium of light, because I don't know what yous are wanting in terms no, of... You, 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 you can see whatever you want. All right, wait. Going next to the stadium of shite every yeah, week God. was um it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't pleasant put it that way because every time you breathe one way especially on front crawl you you see the black cat through the window <laughs> and it oh. makes you bit, makes it yeah makes you a bit sick uh, <laughs> I wasn't wasn't a fan right well, let's talk about Newcastle um Joseph obviously Rafa Benitez left last year Steve Bruce came in the former Sunderland manager of course. How well do you think he's done this year? Obviously, he's kept Newcastle up 44 points, one game to go against the champions, Liverpool, who are totally playing against Chelsea. I don't know how they're getting on, obviously, but... Uh... I've got it on in the background, the win and 3-0, Liverpool. Um, oh. I haven't actually had a proper look at it because I've obviously been talking on yeah, but I've looked up, Chelsea are getting battered. Best bit of multitasking I've ever seen, Sam. Whoever says men that can't multitask, I'm telling you, that is the best bit of multitasking. That's the analysis of that game, though. I can't actually sit down about all the guests we've had on now. So this is episode five. So we had Callan Ridge and Chris Doby, the darts lad, Steve Harmison and uh, Gary Wilson. We talked about their career, and you've been exactly the same, Joseph. When we finish the career bit and we move on to Newcastle, the you're more interested again now. This is because <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I've got my own life stories from Newcastle, and that I've got me my own experiences with with the club as we all do, and it's something that's very important to all of us. But getting back to the question with Bruce, for Bruce, he's done well. Let's be honest. For for Steve Bruce, under the circumstances, he came in all the upheaval with Rafael even. He's done. He's done well, but for what Newcastle should be aspiring to, it's nowhere near good enough. It's nowhere near good enough, in my opinion. And you see this. It's the worrying thing for me isn't the the poor performances or 
or the fact we still haven't beat Rafa's points total this season. It's not that. It's what Steve Bruce says after games. Like he said, he said recently, oh, we're only a couple of points behind Southampton, implying that that's somehow good. Um, we're Newcastle, so we're always looking over our shoulder. That's incredibly alarming to hear from the manager, because if the manager's saying that, imagine what the players are like. Imagine how far that's trickled down into the actual club, the the actual fabric of the club, the culture will be ruined, in my opinion. If if that's what's coming out publicly, then privately, what what's going on? Realistically, Joseph, where do you think Newcastle could be? Realistically, we're not saying we're going to win the league like Liverpool are doing at the minute, but do you think Newcastle could potentially get, say, top half, maybe, you know, being the argument for the Europa League? Is that is that being too unrealistic? I, I don't think I don't think it's too unrealistic to say between eighth and tenth at the moment this season. I think that's what we could have achieved, especially with players like Sam Maximan in the team but um again it's it's the culture we're never gonna be able to hit the heights of what we could be able to achieve or what we should have achieved because of this defeatist culture in the club at the moment it is a very defeatist approach you have to say that sam because you know joseph's quite right newcastle I've always been that team where you go, the Nearly team, pretty much. I think that's probably the best way you can describe Newcastle. The Nearly team nearly won the FA Cup, nearly won the Premier League under Keegan, you know, nearly did this, nearly did that. Everybody says that Newcastle are, what's the word I'm looking for? They could be the next big club because, you know, let's be brutally honest, unless you're competing, you're not a big club at the minute, in my opinion. You know, I mean, Manson being a Nearly really club, they are now. quite nice at the minute because, you know, as Joseph says, what Bruce said about competing with Southampton, the only difference between Southampton and relegation this season is Danny Ings. That's it. Yeah. And oh, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna finish ahead of us. So it it's it's bizarre. I think top half is a minimum of what we should be looking at at the moment. Minimum. Um when you see the likes of Burnley and Sheffield United in the hunt for Europe, then there's no reason at all why that shouldn't be us. We're not expecting the world. So, I mean, we, we fully appreciate that them lofty days of being an early team are, are a bit behind us now, but that's what we've got to us, kind of aspire to get back to be. I mean, like you say, we nearly won the league under Keegan. We were top at Christmas under Sir Bobby in 0102. So, yeah. you know, we had a good... We, I mean, apart from this season's FA Cup, the last time we had something to really shout about was that Europa League campaign under Pardew. And then even with that, yeah. the league form drastically suffered. Joseph, what did you make of this year's FA Cup run? Because obviously we've beat, we just, well, I say we've beat, we just got through against Rochdale, we just got through against Oxford, we just got through against West Brom, but when Man City come to town and there's no fans in the stadium, it is very dif- uh, difficult, isn't it? And I'll just mention John's question as well, if you don't mind, Joseph. Is everybody in your family Newcastle supporters as well? Yeah, I'd be disowned if I was anything else. <laughs> Definitely, Definitely 100%. Uh, so, what did you make of the FA Cup run, though? Did you did you just think Man City were just far too good? Did you think Steve Bruce's approach was just too negative? How did you see it unfold a couple of weeks ago? 
obviously the cup run is brilliant uh, to get that far in a cup is fantastic and I think if we'd had say a bit more of a consistent performance in the league that suddenly that season suddenly starts to look like a, a very decent season for Newcastle but oh, no. it comes with the caveat of the league forms being poor how he approached this game I mean, I don't mind getting beat off City. I don't mind getting battered off City either because it's Manchester City that can tear anyone open. But from the first kick of the ball, we're sat back and it's you could just see, right, we're not we're not engaging in the game. We're not we're not trying to press, we're not trying to attack, we're not trying to give ourselves a chance into the game. I think we had one one foray into their half early in the first half and then we thought oh well, that hasn't worked out we'll just sit back for the rest of the game and inevitably with the quality of Man City's team you get beaten pretty severely if you do that yeah I'm probably going to be the same technical bitch than me <laughs> um, yeah yeah, Jonathan's just put the FA Cup run as the most overrated uh, cup run in history. We drew three, three games out of four, uh, four, 90 minutes against League One, League Two opposition. He is quite right. Who's been your player of the season, Joseph? It's got to be Maxima, obviously. He's, um, he's brought a bit of flair into the team. He's brought a bit of excitement. And it's players like him that come into the team. Like we had Rondon under Rafa Benitez. We even had Kennedy in his first spell under Rafa Benitez. I know his second spell wasn't anything to write home about. But we've had a couple of players come in who have really kept the sort of the fire alive in terms of making Newcastle a, a team worth watching if you're a fan. But these players don't stick around forever. These players, obviously Rondon, you wanted to be part of the setup, but obviously didn't happen. Maximan, he loves the club, he loves the team, but how long is it going to be before he realises he's worth and is out the door to an Arsenal, a Liverpool or a Chelsea? And then when we've lost him, who can we get in to replace him? Because Maximan was, I think, a very lucky find for, for us, regardless of his value. I think we're very lucky to to have him in the setup at the moment and if I was Ashley, do everything you can to keep him. Do everything you can. Give him whatever he wants. Yeah, for sure. There's a question that's coming for you, Joseph. Who is the unsung hero this season? So who's one that's just really caught your eye, been very consistent? Um, is it maybe one of the defenders, for for, uh, for example? Or do you think maybe an Almiron deserves more of a mention? I think Almiron's been good and he, he's definitely improved, but it's going to kill us to say this because I'm not really his biggest fan myself, but Shelby has definitely been more consistent and, and better than he has been under Bruce than he has under Rafa Benitez, for example. And Why do you not rate Shelby? I just think he's previously he's been a bit too maybe lazy. Um, that's maybe not the right word to, to use, but it, you get that in, in impression with the way he plays. He sort of his head dips if the game's going bad and you don't you don't actually see anything out of him for most of the game if if he's not performing. I know the likes of your Haydens, you don't want to notice them. You want them to go under the radar and just do the job. But Shelby, 
he needs to be in the center of the park and, and barking out orders to everybody around him. He needs to be commanding his space in between the boxes as well as being able to pick out the beautiful passes that he can do. In, in my opinion, you can't just be great at pinging a ball if you're a midfielder. You've got to be able to do something else well as well. And for me, running, just stamina, fitness for Shelby's big key for keeping him improving and moving forward if he stays at the club. I was going to say, Sam, because that's a, a good um, good comparison you could put there, like an athlete's point of view, because like I say, Joseph was a, a very, very, very good athlete. Do you think maybe the likes of Joseph can say recognise the fact that if a player maybe should run a little bit more or can maybe put a bit more into it? Because that's what Newcastle United are all about. You know, they work Monday to Friday, God knows how many hours a week for, to watch Newcastle on a Saturday. And all they ask for is that 110% effort. Do you think that maybe Joseph picked up a really good point there? Maybe not necessarily just Shelby, but some players in the squad. Absolutely. And I think the key to our kind of success is the wrong word because we haven't had success. But you, you know what I mean? The key to why we've kind of stayed up and kind of punched above our weight is down to that gritty determination and work rate and work ethic with your likes of, of Matt Ritchie and, um, you know, real grafters, Hayden, real hard workers. Shelby this season, I think, has done really well. And there was definitely a case of him, you know, just games passing him by beforehand. But I think this season under Bruce, because let's face it, he was coming, he was leaving. If Rafa stayed, Shelby was out the door and he, he'd have probably ended up at West Ham. But under Bruce, new contract, new lease of life. And he's, I think he has been superb this season. Um, top league goal scorer, um, which tells you all you need to know about our options in the final third. But nonetheless, um, Shelby's now putting in a shift, whereas before that would have never have happened in a million years. Yeah, well, obviously Sam's touched on a brilliant about our attacking prowess, as we say, Joseph. Um, obviously, our forward three have had a lot of talking points this season. Where do you stand on Joe Linton? Because I'll give you a little spoiler. We're doing a keep selling loan video on the chat on the main channel in the next few weeks. Um, I would sell Joe Linton, in my personal opinion. I know we spent a lot of money on him, and I know we might not get a lot of money for him, but I would personally sell. I don't think he's Premier League proven, in my personal opinion. I don't think he's even Championship proven against some of the teams he's played against. What do you think of Joe Linton at Newcastle and would you keep him for next season? I agree with you. We should sell him. We should get him straight out the door as soon as possible. I don't think the Premier League's for him. I don't think he can... I think he can't deal for a start with the pressure of playing for Newcastle, wearing that shirt. And um, I think as well, we need to be thinking about, right, so he cost forty million. We can't make any sort of profit on him now, the way he's performed. I think if we try and sell him now, we'll get eight million, if that, maybe even less, which is worrying. So what I'd do, knowing that we're probably gonna start the next season under Mike Ashley, we've got to keep him. We've got to keep him, utilize him on the wing, see if we can get anything out of him there, maybe just just play him, just use him so I haven't wasted 40 million on, on somebody who can't score to save the life. Yeah. He's also got a question saying, are you bothered about the Matty Longstaff situation? Do you think that Matty Longstaff should be given a new contract? And I think another question really is, uh, uh, Joseph, do you think he'll stay? 
I think I don't know if he'll stay, but I'm not too bothered if he does or he doesn't, to be fair. I think he's got a brilliant opportunity at Newcastle. He's been given a massive, massive wage increase anyway, isn't he? And yeah. I think partly it's down to his agent more than anybody. I think him himself, he'll be wanting to stay personally because he's got his brother here. It's his local club. It's the club he's supported all his life. And the fans absolutely love him. So why not stay? Why not develop your football? If he wants to go and try and develop his football out in Italy or Spain, wherever he's going, he's welcome to try. But it's not really the best for, for young kids going out there, is it, for their development in terms of how, how well they'll do down the line. So it's a case of, right, you've got to think about your, your career as well. You might be going over there for a payday. You might not. I can't answer that question for him. But he's got to make that decision himself. Does he want a payday now and potentially never get one again? Or does he want to take a little bit less at Newcastle, stay with us, get some game time, get that development and become the player he can be? Yeah, it's it's going to be a very fascinating couple of weeks. Obviously, Matty's contract runs out. Um, I think it's I think it's actually Monday, which is the day after we play Liverpool. Obviously, on Sunday, which is just going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be strange. I think this summer. Um, let's talk about the T word, the takeover or non-takeover Fantastic. or some something. Um, there's been more reports uh, in the last 24 hours or so, Joseph, that this takeover is under threat. That the buyers remain positive. That's what all the main outlets are saying. They still think this deal is going to be sorted. Uh, they are making provisional plans for the summer just in case, but there's other people saying that Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce will be in charge for the first game of next season against whoever it'll be in the Premier League. In your personal opinion, and from what you might know or what you might hear, do you think this will happen? I still think it happens. Myself, I do. I still do think it happens. I think the Premier League... They've never, if I remember rightly, they've never failed an owners and directors test before. One, ones went to appeal, but obviously that appeal got approved. But there's never been one that's failed. So there's that as a positive. But the amount of time this has taken, it does worry us because regardless of if it's just happening in the background and we've got to wait a season, that may be too late anyway. We might be relegated and and down. And then, obviously, then, PIF are stuck with a team in the championship and they've got more work, more investment to put into it. That throws off their plans for, for how they're going to deal with this club. And it might drastically change the direction they want to take this club in. So we've got to think of that as well. But equally, I'd say if we are worrying about it, or shouldn't, because it's been going on for 15 weeks. I've still got my cans in the fridge from 15 weeks ago. They've passed the best by date now. They've got to be. So (laughs) if it does happen, it's just going to be a ceremonial opening and chucking it away. I'm not going to be... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to see in the back garden, like, just spraying it or something. Like, get the cans just, like, spraying it all over. That'll be a way of doing it, isn't it? I might just have to do that, to be fair. Again, it's it's a difficult one for everybody because the fans want this to happen, definitely. I don't buy into all this bringing the political 
aspects of the Middle East into the takeover, although I think that's what has happened. I think I'm not going to name names or, or or who's done what, but I think a certain group of um who maybe support a certain TV rate studio of maybe <laughs> it's more difficult than they should have. But that's well, just my opinion. You're not talking about Richard Keyes here by any chance, Joseph. Oh, I'd never be so deceivious to do that. I'd never <laughs> I'd never do something like that. Richard Keyes. <laughs> Richard Keyes, I've got to take him at his word. He's an honourable and respectable presenter and he's down the lane, he's definitely not biased in any way whatsoever. Good answer. <laughs> um, I think one of the questions was, uh, what type of cans will you be having if this takeover goes through, uh, Joseph? Well, I've actually got four cans of Strongbow Dark Fruit and a bottle of Very brown good ale. choice. So I've got me, it'll be the bottle of brown ale that I'll probably drink if that's still okay to drink. I haven't even checked. <laughs> So, I mean, if they're all salvageable, I'll, I'll drink them all, but it's, it's a weird combination of it. I, I like me rum more than anything, but the cans have got to be cracked for when the takeover happens. Sam, where do you stand, though? We've always been nervous to start with, and then we became really positive. We thought, oh, this is probably like a 90% chance. It went up to 95 it's gone back down to 80%. Where, where do you think? Where do you think uh, oh, we're at? I knew you knew you were going to ask me this tonight. Um, do you know what? It, it's concerning this week, and there's, if it doesn't go through, there's going to be a lot of people who have put their names to this. They're going to look silly, but I just—it's got so. It just feels like we're now stuck in the middle of a, between a kind of bitch fight between Saudi Arabia and Qatar. It's just got no place in football. It's ugh, it's just so irritating. I mean, the people, the journalists we've had on the channel said all along that the only thing that's going to stop this takeover is the piracy and the, the broadcasting rights deal. And I mean, people have short memories. Being sports had to rebrand because they used to be called Al Jazeera. And we know they had links to certain nasty people around the world. So it's it's an absolute nightmare. I, I'm just I just hope to God it goes through because I really fear for us next season if it doesn't. I, I think it's obviously going to be a strange season, regardless. I think next season, uh, hopefully, fans will be back allowed in stadiums. Um, we'll preview. We'll have a little touch about Liverpool game to finish things off. Um, it's the champions at home. At St James's Park, normally Newcastle Liverpool games down memory lane have always been entertaining. Who can forget the four threes? Obviously, Sam was old enough to remember those four threes. Joseph, really? we were too young. <laughs> I've seen some good Liverpool Newcastle games in my time. Don't worry, it's it's always been a fixed. Yeah, that's excited the fans, hasn't it? It's, it's one of them where there is a a real rivalry and a real desire from both sets of players to win. I mean. Like I said before, I haven't saw that in the Newcastle team for a long time now, but maybe maybe it'll come back soon. Who knows? What do you think about the game on Sunday then, Joseph? Obviously, Liverpool have got nothing to play for. They can't beat Man City's 100 points. They've won the league. They might have a few drinks tonight. They might be celebrating and having their own cans. Um, do you think they'll be just trying to get through this game as quickly as possible and then go back on and celebrate back home in Liverpool? Or Do you think Newcastle can actually get anything from this game? 
I think it's definitely possible. We've got the the quality and the attack with Maximan if he's playing or, or however he decides to put up there can sneak a goal in. I mean, even Joe Linton, if he gets his backside on it and it trickles into the net, it's still a goal, <laughs> isn't it? But, but that's that's just what it might have to be. It might have to be one of them scrappy Sholam UBS goals and, and then we'll grind out a one nil win. But I really don't see that happening. I see Liverpool putting the kids out, beating with two nil, us looking like we've got less to play for than Liverpool do, oddly enough, when it should be us finishing the season strong. And we'll really be able to tell. It's been really telling the the sort of the attitude of the players post lockdown, I think. Um because with all this talk of a takeover, you'd think, right, the players like Lazaro, Bentaleb, Rose, and the players we've got permanently, they'd be playing for a chance. It would kind of be like an audition for, for the squad, essentially. Uh, right, you can be part of this project if you do well here. That's obviously not being what they've been thinking, which is disappointing. Because if I was especially... Nabil Bentaleb, for example, I'd be thinking, right, I've got one game left this season to pull a 20 out of 10 performance out of my backside. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't really, he's not Sam's favourite person in the world, I have to be brutally honest, but um, no, I think, again, he might be a player that might be playing for Newcastle next season if his takeover doesn't go through because they do need more bodies and he is, a, especially if Matty goes, then it's an extra um, centre midfielder. But that remains to be seen. Have you got a prediction for the game on Sunday, Joseph? I'm going to go with 2-0 Liverpool. I don't think it'll be a very exciting game. I think it'll be quite quite cagey in the midfield. I don't think there'll be many chances from either team going forward, to be honest, because Liverpool, like you say, not have anything to play for. Newcastle, Steve Bruce, prove us wrong, but from what I've seen as a fan, we've been set up to be beat. Prove us wrong, but that's what I've saw as a fan. We're not setting up to win games. We're setting up to avoid getting beat by two, three goals, which yeah, is the wrong attitude. Like I say, I'm happy, more than happy to be proved wrong. Well, hopefully you do. Hopefully you do. Sam, what do you think on Sunday? Quick prediction up here. Uh, I'm with Joseph, I'm afraid. Um, I, th- I think Klopp will play the kids, but um, I'm really not hopeful. Um, yeah, someone like 2 0, and we'll no doubt see Bentaleb uh, play his trade in the middle with Shelby again. I used to oh, like him as well. Yeah, I, so thought did I. Him, I thought when we first brought him in, I thought that's an absolute steal on loan. Bentaleb, I thought, could really get some, some good game time out of him, and he'd help kick one in the middle of the park. But yeah. it's been a massive disappointment. But like I say, 90 minutes potentially to prove all wrong. It can happen. And all the faith in the world that he'll do it because he's a professional athlete and that's what he should strive to do. But like I say, we'll see. I'll tell you what, that's, that hasn't been a disappointment. It has been this chat and this interview. And Joseph, I'd just like to say it's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm sure Sam would agree. Really thank, you so much for, thank you so much for your time. You spoke absolutely brilliantly and really refreshingly about a lot of issues, a lot of topics and hopefully you get proven wrong on a couple of things about Newcastle United, like like you've said, uh, you'd like to be proven mm-hmm. wrong about. But, 100%. But Joseph, a massive, massive thanks. Sam, what a guest we've had on tonight. 
Cracking. Really enjoyed that. I think that was the best one yet. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight. I've really, really appreciated my time on you. I love the show. You do absolutely fantastic work. And I think you represent with fans in an extremely positive way. So keep up the good work. And if you're allowed us on again at one point, I'd love to be part of it again. Joseph, 100, 100%, 100% we'll have you back on again. 100%. Joseph, it's been an absolute pleasure. Sam, it's been brilliant as always. We're going to try and sneak in one, maybe two episodes before the end of Series 1. But thank you so much for watching. And from me, Sam, and Joseph Craig, MBE. We'll see you all very, very soon. Thanks, guys.